Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodities strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome to this edition of All Options Considered. I'm Tanvir Sandhu. Chief Global Derivative Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence, the research arm of Bloomberg. On this episode, we will be discussing the latest themes from the volatility market with Matthew Tim, who heads up derivative trading at Cantor Fitzgerald. So volatility has declined across assets since the flare-up related to SVB and concerns around regional banks. Implied volatility is below the levels at the start of March before the banking stress in all asset classes except for pockets of rates and credit, particularly on front-end rates. G10 FX volatility is back to single digits, which I suspect is due to three main reasons. Firstly, while there is a lot going on in macro, there is a lack of conviction on the direction of markets, which leads to reduced activity. Second, the intraday trading range of the dollar has reduced and so lower realized volatility weighs on implied vol. And the relationship of FX to other asset classes has been unstable, which makes it difficult to have a high conviction call. But FX volatility can show high levels of asymmetry, meaning it can spike in a market sell-off and be followed by sharp mean reversion. Volatility in the rates market has come down with the two-year yield realizing less than 10 basis points daily compared to over 20 basis points at the peak. Volatility continues to be focused at the front end with the bimodal outlook of the path of policy rates with the probabilities moving around two modes of higher for longer and the pricing of rate cuts. So thanks for joining us, Matthew Tim, on this edition of All Options Considered. Thank you for having me, Tanvir. And it'd be great to tell our listeners just a little bit about your background and what you're up to. Sure. Uh, I started trading um, uh, kind of old school on one of the exchanges, on the SIBO. Uh, after uh, trading on the SIBO for uh, many years, I found myself at, at uh, in New York at Bear Stearns, um, which uh, I made the transfer over to J.P. Morgan. Following that, I was at Alliance Bernstein for a while, and now we are building the equity derivatives desk at Cantor Fitzgerald. Uh, I've been here for four years building this out um, with my colleague, Eric Johnston. And uh, we are building a derivatives desk that is uh, customer-focused, idea-generation-focused, uh, um, and uh, doing the best things we can for our clients. The VIX has moved down close to post-pandemic lows, and the realized volatility of the S&P has been trending lower recently. So in the context of the heightened macro uncertainty. How sustainable do you think this is? That's a good question. There are some of the things we talk about are there's there's a push pull on the market right now where I think the the opinions of what direction this market is going to go in the next year uh, have never been different. The uh, have never been more different. The I feel like the the bears in this market look at the market and say, okay, these, this market can't support these valuations going forward. Uh, the bulls say, if you cut rates, um, earnings are going to keep going up, companies are going to do great, and the market's going to rally. 
So when we have these huge differing opinions of which way, way the market is going to go, everyone's kind of just staring at each other, waiting for more data uh, to justify their positions. And as we wait for more data, as we wait for the Fed to make some decisions, as we wait for, you know, it seems like every month we're waiting for the next CPI print to come out uh, to give us some clarity of which way this market should go. And in the meantime, nobody does anything. Uh, because right. we're kind of in a limbo state uh, uh, for the level of the market. Yeah, the the dispersion of views out there is huge, and there's a lot going on in the macro space. When you look at volatility itself, it's actually quite low. So, in the context of low realized volatility, we can argue, you know, the VIX being so low is justified, as the VIX just reflects the market expectation of realized vol. And you know, we've modeled the VIX and. You know, there can be different factors that drive it in different macro regimes. But the thing that tops the list of explaining away the variation of the VIX is intraday vol. Particularly if we look over the last two weeks, uh, take yesterday out of the equation, and it seemed like the market um, moved around a little bit during the day and finished unchanged every single day for the past week and a half, two weeks. Um, that's a very frustrating, uh, as a trader, that's a very frustrating market to look at every day. Realize vol's been crushed and it's about 11 at the moment and that's coming off last year where vol was 24 which ranked the sixth highest following the 1930s great depression and over the long term it's you know it's around a 14 handle right yes and um and it's hard to justify um owning premium uh in this marketplace so we've we've been talking to clients who have been hedging their books and when you start to give away, you know, uh, 30, 40, 50 bips every single month with hedges on, uh, we've seen this story before that that finally clients are like, okay, you know what, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have any hedges on. I'm just gonna de-risk. So there's no hedges. Uh, hence, there's no demand for options. So there's no de there's no demand driving implied vols up, and in turn that keeps the vix that keeps the vix down. So. You can argue it's never been as a good time as now to buy some downside protection in the length of the hiking cycle. 100% agree. Uh, that is one thing we've been pounding the table on a, a bit over the past couple of weeks, uh, particularly last week when implied vols got extremely low. Uh, but also with the lower implied vols comes a little bit of put-to-put -put skew, meaning the downside um, gets elevated a little bit. So putting on put spreads uh, became very attractive last week. Um, that being said, it's still a very difficult environment with the market being so range bound um, to go out to clients and say the payout ratios on these put spreads are the most attractive we've seen in a couple of years. Um, and we have had some clients who have looked at it and said, okay, you know what, now is the time to uh, be pulling the trigger and, and at least dipping our toe into uh, portfolio protection. But um, more and more people are still saying, I, I just don't see that it's time yet. I don't see the catalyst uh, right in front of us that would um, necessitate you know, the, the portfolio protection right now. Right, right. Um, so even though it's an incredibly attractive time to put it on, people are still a little bit uh, reticent about actually pulling the trigger on those. You know, there's low conviction levels in terms of the market direction. The S&P stuck in this 3,800 to 4,200 range. And given 
the skew of the index has moved up as the market goes to the top of that range you know the people may be more inclined to enter into these put spreads and and in in addition to that the put spreads are carrying very well uh when you obviously when you buy a 16 um implied vol uh put spread your theta on that position is going to be much less than what it's been over the past couple of years uh so i think i think having at least some sort of partial hedges on right now makes a lot of sense because uh, we've seen these situations before. When implied vols get very low, uh, the market becomes a little bit um, lazy, and and then we get uh, moves like yesterday where um, finally everybody wakes up and says, okay, there could be a, a some sort of banking crisis out there. Yeah, exactly. Let's uh, zone into positioning and what you're seeing flow-wise. You know, U.S. option volume enlisted equity broke records early this year with the highest option volume day on record in February and call option volume was a record on the chase for the upside earlier in the year. Uh, We've also seen VIX optionality on the rise this year and it's been driven by calls. Uh, What are you seeing on the desk? Interestingly enough, the, the profile that's out there right now is confusing me a little bit. Just mentioned the VIX call options being um, some of the highest open interest we've ever seen. We saw this high of open interest in 2017, uh, and before that, we've never seen anything like this. The call open interest is so high, that, and you would think that people are using VIX call options as portfolio protection, uh, meaning that if the market sold off, uh, VIX goes up, and your VIX call options protect uh, the the P&L from the VIX call options protects your portfolio. The amazing thing is, is that we've seen in the past um, that that is not really a winning strategy. Um, we can have markets sell off, and particularly because most of these options are based on the futures, on the VIX futures, not on the on the spot VIX. Uh, the movement in the VIX futures is very muted compared to what the front front uh, front end of the VIX can do. Um, so I'm not sure what is going on there. And it seems like people are using VIX call options as portfolio protection. That used to be a classic trade where you buy VIX call optionality and fund it by S&P downside to have exposure to convexity. Yep. And I, and I, I think for years it didn't work, but you had some banks that were certainly selling that strategy uh, very hard, and it seems like people might be using that strategy again. Maybe the strategy is carrying better than just straight out buying uh, S&P, you know, whatever ETF you choose to use that fits your portfolio um, of buying protection and put spread protection in those ETFs or indexes. Uh, another thing I'm seeing is that what I, I watch a lot is I watch the gamma profile of the market. We have a strategy of, of how we look at the open interests um, within, the, within the market, and we kind of try to determine uh, the street and the market maker's positioning within the market. One of the things we've seen over the past year uh, is that that positioning – meaning the gamma profile of the market is actually starting to have an impact on the direction of the market. Um, last summer, last June, when the market was selling off uh, pretty heavily, 
the we estimated that the market was in a very short gamma profile, meaning the street was short gamma, and we estimated at that time that for every 1% move in the market because of short gamma, worth $15 billion of delta to buy or sell, meaning that if the market sold off 1%, billion dollars of notional delta to sell into the marketplace. One of the things that we just spoke about that the volatility, the realized volatility of the market right now is very low is because that gamma positioning we're seeing in the marketplace right now is very long gamma. And that long gamma profile of the market is such that um, over the past couple of weeks has been as high as $15 billion to buy or sell. Uh, and that positioning of that gamma really put a damper on uh, volatility of the market. Right. And when dealers are in general short gamma, it really exacerbates movements in the underlying. Yep. Particularly when those gamma uh, numbers start to get very high. Exactly. And conversely, if dealers are long, um, you know, that can act as a volatility dampener, right? As we've seen over the past couple of weeks. So there's been a lot of talk about zero days to expiry options, given the growth of those options and whether this will add to the fragility of the market. And my sense is that a lot of that flow is buying into amp up leverage rather than selling the tails to collect premium. So the net effect may be dealers who sell those options magnify intraday vol rather than a repeat of the 2018 Volmageddon episode. What do you make of it? Zero DTE, quite honestly, I'm a little bit critical of the zero DTE options that have been trading in the marketplace. Uh, there's a couple different reasons for that. Don't see the, uh, the, the real reason uh, for an investor be to, for a true investor to be trading zero DTE options, certainly your large head, you know, uh, hedge funds and, and um, mutual funds who use derivatives as a uh, opportunistic uh, tool and as, as a portfolio protection tool are not trading zero DTE. Um, I'm certain it's probably a retail function and, and treating the options market almost as a casino. So I'm not really fan of them. Uh, I think it's very limited of who's actually trading them. And the smaller market market makers out in the uh, in the market making landscape and in the options world are not trading them. It's probably the larger market makers. And if I if I'm going to get really critical, I'm I'm thinking that a lot of the exchange fees that these are generating. Um, I think some of the larger exchanges are probably really appreciating those exchange fees. Um, and other than that, I'm not quite sure who's making money off these products. The, and then when you start to look at the gamma profile that these zero DTE options can potentially create, uh, we just spoke about how the short gamma profile of a market can exacerbate any move. You had the perfect scenario where we're in a down market and say the market was trading down two to three percent uh on a, on a terrible day and the gamma profile that could be created within these zero dte options um could exacerbate that move intensely uh just because the gamma is so strong from these um zero day to expiry options 
Uh, some people have spoke about some, you know, they've called it Volmageddon, and I and I think it's a, a possibility. I know the people trading these options are professionals, uh, but we've we've all seen scenarios that we never thought could happen uh, in this market, and the zero DT options, I think, because of the ramifications of this of these options is unknown. Uh, it worries me a little bit. Well. Uh collecting fees is always a good trade right <laughs> i wish i could collect as many fees as they were trade as they're collecting for every option that traded so it's great great having you on uh, on this episode of all options considered matthew thank you for having me tanvir uh, i appreciate it thanks a lot